0: And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the best-seller's body care set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER.
1: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere
2: We are back. Welcome into another edition of Brewcast. Luke Giardi here with you, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. A lot to get to here today. The first Brewcast since Juwan Howard was named head coach at the University of Michigan for the men's basketball program, and quite a bit has happened since. So let's get right into it. Anthony, Chris, what's going on, guys? How are you guys doing?
3: Not too bad. It's been a while. Um, our ve- First, we had a little bit of a break. Then we came back from our break uh, for John Beeline. Then we took a little bit of a mini break again, and uh, back we are here. So um, it's good to be back. Somehow, uh, it's we thought that things would be slowing down here at some point, but uh, the last three or four weeks, or you know, going back a month or so, stuff has not really. We thought our little break would coincide with stuff dying down, but uh, it sort of didn't. But uh, I think that's. Nice little refresher. It's good to be back. Uh, I know we we talked before we recorded. Uh, we got some. I think we've got some stuff in the hopper for the summer. Uh, but other than that, uh, it is summer now. It's June. Uh, I think this time last year we went on our extended break. It didn't come back to the fall. I don't. I don't plan on that happening this time. I'm. I'm looking forward to being back. And uh, it's good to be back on here.
4: Chris, how I'm, you doing, man? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah. I kind of piggybacking on what Anthony said. I mean, if there's there's one good thing about, uh, and I think it is the only good thing about John Beeline not uh, being the head coach of Michigan anymore. It's given us content. I mean, it's given us stuff to talk about. You know, I think we kind of expected post uh, basketball season that there really wouldn't be uh, be much to cover, but that's uh, that's changed. And we, we have a fair amount to talk about today with uh, obviously now Beeline's gone, and uh, Michigan has found a man to hopefully fill his shoes, and that's Jawan Howard.
2: Well, let's get right into it, start talking about this, and you know what? I I feel like I have a very special ability to reverse jinx. I don't know what it is. I like (laughs) say something, and the opposite happens damn near every time. So going back to that brewcast that we did immediately after the John Beeline news, there was one name that I pointed out on that podcast that I was – not really excited to see, and I would not have been that excited to see get the head coaching position. And, of course, that name that I mentioned was Jawan Howard. So if you are excited about the Jawan Howard hire, you could probably thank me because I'm really good at reverse jinxing. But uh, I want to know what you, what your guys' thoughts are. I've kind of changed my position a tad. I still believe if Jawan Howard never played at Michigan, his name would not even have been considered. But all things considered, they kicked the tires on some of the guys that we talked about on that show. And you know what? At the end of the day, it was either going to be probably Jawan Howard, Sadie Washington, or Luke Joklich. They go with Jawan Howard, uh, hoping to get that kind of Penny Hardaway, Patrick Ewing sort of effect that they've got going on at Memphis and Georgetown. And uh, I I liked his press conference. You know, I thought he was very passionate. I'm still concerned about the lack of experience, but – the most recent assistant, well second most recent, I guess technically uh, coaching hire that he made to his staff, which we'll talk about coming up here has definitely eased some of that in my mind. But what are your guys' overall thoughts about you on how we're taking over?
3: My initial thought of your reverse jinx ability is like, can we get you on the record saying that Michigan will lose all of its rivalry games this year? <laughs> like can we, can we put that in stone here? I'm um, put it out
2: in the universe.
3: <laughs> yeah, put it out there right now. Well no, now that I said it, it probably will happen. Um, but yeah, here's the thing. I I know on that same podcast where you said that you were concerned about the possibility of Howard coming in, I sort of made my pitch on why not only I thought it could work, but why he was probably the guy to beat. Um, you know, it really does as much as Ward manual can, you know, stand up at the podium and, and bang his fist that, you know, this is a wide ranging national search and that, um, you know, of the pool of candidates, Juwan Howard was his best guy. And he still very well may have been, um, you know, it's, we said that whoever they brought in to re- replace John behind was going to be underwhelming. And, you know, this is not a, I know there's the, the, the ties to Michigan. There's, you know, the fab five stuff, the banners, all that, all things that were brought up by the way um, during the press conference by, by members of the media, this was, I'm, I tend to agree with you if he was not a Michigan man, so to speak, he wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have had an opportunity at that job, but you know, the, these are the ties that we, the professional ties we create, you know, it's um, you know, if, if you think about a time, maybe you got a job because you knew someone, you know, it's maybe it's a little bit similar to that. I don't know, but
2: um, I, I meant it more of the, of a credentials sort of standpoint. Right.
3: No, I absolutely. And The thing about that press conference was it highlighted what I believe the strengths of the hire can be. And it definitely highlighted what I think the concerns of the hire could be. Let's start with the strengths here. First of all, I think that it was very, I don't know. It's hard to call someone's emotions impressive, but I think it was a little bit moving to see how moved he was uh, to be receiving this job, to be standing at the podium you know, as the new head coach of Michigan basketball uh, and there were tears there and the emotions were palpable. You could somewhat infectious. I think you could, you could certainly feel them throughout, throughout the um, you know, they did the presser at center court of Chrysler center. Um, you know, this is a passionate and and charismatic guy. Like when he talks, like, I feel like he commands a room and uh, by all accounts, I mean, Jalen Rose has said this. Some of the other members of the fab five have said this of that group of guys, he was always, the adult in the room Um, maybe never thought he'd be a coach one day, but that is, that is what he is now. Um, So I think if you're part of being a a head coach in college is that you have to be a salesman and a pitch man, a hype man, so to speak. And if he can deliver on those type of emotions in, you know, the living room of a a blue chip prospect, I think that, that that's a good, a very good salesman for Michigan basketball. And would I be surprised if, recruiting saw a bit of an uptick under him? No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I, I actually think there's a fairly good chance that he will out-recruit John Beeline from a rankings, from a star standpoint. Now, on the flip side, the concerns of the hire. We don't know if he can coach at all. He was asked about what what he thinks his program will be, what you know, offensive, defensive philosophy. That he wasn't ready to talk about any of that. And I don't think that he's ready to talk about any of that because he doesn't know. Um, you know, are you going to have that that touch in developing players? You're not going to be, for what my money's worth, John Beeline is probably the best college basketball developer of talent I've ever seen. Yeah. just in terms of you know spinning water into wine and all that. But um, you know, we he's going. You know, <laughs> coming out of that press conference, my feelings were that, and we'll talk about this here down the line. He's going to. He was really going to need to put a strong staff together, uh, because you know I. I'll be honest. I don't want to be. I like Juwan Howard. I'm rooting for him, and I think that he is ready to be a head coach. But coming out of that press conference, uh, there were. I did get some Brady Hoke, maybe in over his head type of vibes. Yeah. Maybe that's fair, or maybe that's unfair. That's you know. I have the feeling that early on he's going to have to be surrounded by guys early on that will really show him the ropes, help him hone his craft. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's a dedicated guy. I think he will be able to do that, but, um, you know, right off the bat as endearing as the, you know, the Michigan stuff and you know, how special it is to be back home and all that is, I think those vibes are there. Now we'll hit the pause on that take when we bring up what the staff looks like, it's going to be, um, but I think that it, all my feelings on the hire didn't necessarily change uh, from the press conference; they were just more highlighted. I thought,
4: you know, I, I think that's completely fair. What everything you just talked about, Anthony, and I'm really split on this because I think all of us, uh, you want Jawan Howard to succeed. Obviously, we love Michigan basketball; we want to see them do well. Uh, we loved what Beeline did. We want Howard to to you know pick up where he left off essentially um and i thought the press conference was really good i'm look i know there were some complaints uh from both fans and the media who were disappointed that he didn't have a good enough answer to what his coaching philosophy was going to be uh, to me that that's just so ridiculous uh, a press well, conference and, is
3: like and to be fair too he was like that's a, the maybe the biggest question about him you, there's no way you answer that on a press conference. That's it's so a mute saying. point to even discuss. That's like you
4: know? no coach has ever laid out their entire success strategy in the opening press conference. Being, in opening press conference, it's like a, a, attending – being a politician and attending a political event. You say the right stuff. You know. You kiss some babies you shake some hands you talk about how how great everything is going to be how much you love the program how happy you are to be there hey if it's your if you're if it's your dream job and you're feeling it go ahead and cry that, that's how you want a press conference you I've never gotten anything else out of a press conference besides that so uh, I, I thought he, he was impressive in, in that aspect seems like a very very genuine likable guy we want him to succeed. And so I've gone back and forth. Like when I first heard the name Joanne Howard, I think I was closer to what how Luke felt, where I was like, "No, I don't, I don't want to do this." The whole going back and bringing somebody in from the Fab Five, as the hire became more and more likely, I started to warm up to it. And now that a little bit of time has passed, well, I want him to do well. I hope he does a great job. I'm just if somebody absolutely forced me to say whether or not I think it's going to be a success or a failure his tenure at Michigan, I would lean towards failure. Because at the end of the day, um, Michigan has uh, t- is taking an incredible risk with Juan Howard. They have hired a guy with no head coaching experience, no college basketball experience other than playing uh, for three years uh, with a Fab Five. Uh, this is an extreme gamble. Could it pay off? I hope it does. It also doesn't help that the big 10 is in really good shape and uh, Michigan's biggest rivalry, the, the kind of the, or biggest rival, the team that we've, you know, kind of held Michigan, the standard that we've held Michigan up to uh, over these last couple of years is going to have a juggernaut of a team next season. Uh, Howard is in a very tough position, but I am, uh, I am very concerned. I think he's going to shake things up a lot and I don't, I'm worried a lot about next year's team. And this this might sound like a, a crazy overreaction, but unless they get Jalen Wilson, which is still possible, I would not be shocked at all if this team was playing in the NIT next season. In I fact, feel, I kind of expect that. I, I feel like it is
2: a pivotal year. For Juwan Howard, and it sucks to say that, but that's kind of what happens when, Anthony's pointed this out many times, that you're taking over for the winningest coach in program history. And I feel like like that press conference was awesome. It made me actually feel bad for what I said on the, on the last Brewcast show about not wanting him to be the head coach, but I still think my concerns ring true. And I'd probably be more excited about this hire I'd probably be fired up about this hire and I know this comparison isn't necessarily apples to apples but if Brady Hoke never happened I I probably would be far more excited about this hire because that's
3: also uh, from our like from my sorry I don't mean to interrupt but like from our point of view from like that's also not fair because it's football and that was they were in a totally different place but they,
2: they were but at the at the same time as well. Like Brady Hoke was far more qualified to be a head coach for one of the top programs at Michigan that Juwan Howard is. And oh, yeah, people he was can, a head coach before. Yeah, he was a head coach and he was an assistant for a long time at that level. And you know, he he was coming off I think an undefeated season the year prior at Ball State. Like he was far more qualified than Juwan Howard. And people I keep seeing people, Oh, was Brady Hoke a candidate to be a head coach in the NBA or the NFL, you know, trying to make that parallel. Like uh, yeah Joan Howard interviewed for the position but at the end of the day he was offered the associate head coach job for the T-Wolves. Like it the, at the end of the day man he just doesn't have the experience. I'm really hoping it it works out. I'm hoping that he finds his way very quickly. I think uh the Phil Martelli hire which we're going to talk about here coming up uh is, is going to be huge and paramount in that transition and having the you know the margin of error and the kind of the buffer time for lack of a better word is gonna shrink quite a bit because of that hire. But man, it's it's gonna be a pivotal year because if it's this is a lot of talent returning on this team, even with Iggy gone, Poole gone, and Charles Matthews gone, there's still quite a bit of talent on this team. And if Michigan doesn't perform well, like Chris said, if they play in the NIT, if they don't make the NCAA tournament, blood is going to be in the water for a lot of Michigan or excuse me, a lot of Big Ten coaches on the recruiting trail.
3: Yeah, there might be. Um, I think the thing about that, is, like it, it's hard for me to say that this is a, a pivotal year or a must win you're now, now make no mistake about it. You've got the best point guard in the big 10, not named Cassius Winston coming back. You've got Isaiah livers who you would expect with more of a, <laughs> obviously he's going to be more of a factor because they're going to need him to be, but um, he's coming back. John Teske, you know, Jawan Howard's experience has been in working with big men and, and, you know, developing those guys. And they've got guys in Teske, uh, Brandon Johns, Colin Castleton, who, um, you know, I guess as we sort of transition into how the early days are going so far, I think the biggest win so far of all of this, um, well, there's a few. Uh, first of all, it's the ability to retain John Sanderson and that program. I mean, to know that those guys are going to continue to be physically ready to develop year to year, is a very big thing. That was sort of the first, I, you know, if you want to say it was his first official move as the head coach, I guess you can go there. Yeah. Um, great move by him. I mean, I know there were some people that thought he might've been moving on or moving elsewhere. To keep John Sanderson around, that's a big deal because we talk about how Juwan Howard has done in developing bigs. Uh, I think Colin Castleton is up to like 230 pounds now. And I think he played at like 210 last year. So we're in June and he's already you know, physically developing. We saw some stuff at the end of the year. Maybe he takes a step there. Um, you No, know, overall, I think that whether John Beeline came back or not, which we talked about in the, la- the last time that we were on this pod, this was, it was going to be a bit of a soft reboot. It was probably going to be another year or two away from what we've been used to seeing. And, and I think, um, when you talk about oh, Juwan Howard, you know, coaches see blood in the water Michigan fans are gonna be upset. I, I think it it's complicated because on one hand, you could think given the facilities Michigan has, the um you would think the ability that they should have to recruit now, that this should be a program that maybe not gets to the level that John B took them, but can get pretty close most of the time. Um But on the other hand, when you do lose a John Beeline from a program that otherwise, you know, until that point, until the point he was hired, they hadn't really done anything in 15 years. And it's not a traditional basketball power. So to me, it's the discussion. about. I know their their expectations are high. Michigan's fans' expectations are high. And they should be high. I expect, like, if they don't compete for Big Ten titles and they're not playing into the second weekend of the tournament, I don't. This, this hire is not a success to me. Uh, I think that there is a better chance than not that whoever they would have hired, we might be doing this three or four years from now. Of those guys that were in the mix for it, it was him, it was Luke Yachlich, it was um, Sadie Washington. I think, you know, I know Ed Cooley's name was thrown around, but, you know, I think he was fourth, fifth banana on the list or whatever. Um, you know, I think that Howard is the guy that provides the most, the most upside for them. Uh, because I, I do think that while it's annoying that members of the fab five have tended to insert themselves into pivotal moments in program history since they've been out of school. I think, I think that having, having a little bit of a throwback to the past, especially with the jump man stuff, I, I do feel like it's a perfect storm to recruit pretty well. Um, and it's, Like we said before, we don't know if this guy can be a head coach, but we weren't ever going to know that until, you know, this November anyway. So uh, by now, for now, where we're at is where we're at. But uh, I think that the early stages of it, the staff that's being put together is really strong, um, strong to quite strong. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll
5: go from there. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Yeah, I, I think one thing we haven't really talked about that much, um, that I think was a, a major disappointment to me, uh, is losing Luke Yaklich um, to Texas. I, I think I might even feel differently about th- this hire in general if they would have been able to retain him, Uh, I think he did an unbelievable job in the two years that he was at Michigan. And it's disappointing that he went to Texas. I, I think I don't have any evidence to support this. I think maybe he, I think he might've felt strongly that he deserved the head coaching job and bolted once he didn't get it, which is, is understandable, but it's really disappointing. Um, And I think that's, that's, Obviously, losing B-line is a huge blow, but losing a guy like Yaklich, who's uh, proven to be you know, an elite assistant coach, um, I think is is going to hurt this team a lot as well. Yeah.
2: Well, here's the thing on that, man. As soon as you interviewed Luke Yaklich for the head coaching position, you lost him on the staff if he didn't get the head coaching job. Yeah. Like, as soon as you do that, you, you know, because he had options – It's like it's like you're up for promotion with someone else and you could make if you don't get that job and you don't get promoted, if there's a lateral move out there for you, you're probably going to take it because you're probably going to feel slighted and who knows we don't even know if Juwan Howard attempted to keep Luke Yaklich, but as soon as you interviewed him for the head coaching position and didn't give it to him, there was almost no chance you were keeping Yaklich on staff.
3: Yeah, no, this is interesting too, because Yes, that's probably true. Uh, but there was Brennan Quinn wrote in the athletic that, uh, I'm just going to read it. You know, I know it's a paywall thing, but I'm just reading a little snippet of it here. Um, according to multiple sources in the athletic department, uh, one sticking point was into Yaklich coming back was apparently this was still on the table for him to come back and be a part of the staff. Um, he wanted to be Juwan Howard's associate head coach and Juwan Howard said, no, uh, and yeah. declined that. So, uh, I don't know if that changes your guys' thoughts at all. Um, I think that's more, that's more, I don't read into that as much as that might say only because yeah, that was, he's now the associate head coach at Texas under Shaka smart. So it was basically, Hey, I won't leave if I get this title as well. Um, But I think when you look at associate head coach, you know, or, you know, assistant head coach, Juwan Howard was going to look for a guy that has been a head coach before. And Luke Yaklich has not as at this level. So, um, kind of, it just sucks. Like it does. It does. You lose, you lose most of the kids in the divorce. Saudi Washington is back, (laughs) uh, but Yaklich gone, uh, Deandre Haynes also gone. So, um, it's different and it's, you know, we get changes uncomfortable, uh, but that's kind of where we're at. Um, It does suck to lose Yaklich, though. Uh, But I I do like Sadie Washington a lot. And I think that he's a guy who um, I think has a chance to be a head coach sooner than Yaklich does. Um, And someone who is familiar with the state, obviously was a long time assistant under Greg Campy at Oakland. He worked with Nate Oates uh, when they were at uh, Romulus high school together. So, I don't know, it's salvage it a little bit. There's a little bit of a, you know, still a, some pieces there in the transition, but, um, you know, overall uh, it is, this is, you know, part of the coaching changes. You're going to lose some valuable assistants and you're going to lose some valuable recruits as well. Like, like Jalen Wilson, which I, I, at this point, I still would be surprised if he came back, but um, no, that process is is not over yet.
2: Yeah. I think, Personally, though, retaining Sadie Washington is awesome, but the Phil Martelli hire is going to go down as the most important hire for Jawan Howard because uh, the number of years, almost 30 years over at St. Joe's, obviously he can recruit the Philadelphia area and the DMV, but Martelli, he brings that. That longtime head coach, even though your head coach doesn't have that experience, you know what I'm saying? Like running practices, oh. uh, he knows all rules and and things like that. Like this is that was a huge get to help Jawan Howard get as up to speed as quickly as possible on being a head coach and a successful head coach.
3: Now that is a home. As far as I'm concerned, that is a home run hire, and that is exactly what. Now, we talked about in the open Juwan Howard's gonna need to surround himself with guys who have done it before, guys who have been successful. Um you go out and get a guy who was a you know coach for twenty or so years at, at uh St. Joe's, right?
4: Yeah. St. Joe's yeah. St. Joe's at
3: St. Joe's and won over four hundred games, you know, been successful. Like that is about as good as it gets as a assistant head coaching hire. Um so when we talk about you know, the early, the early days of this tenure, I think that Juwan Howard is kind of killing it so far. Um, if he can talk, if he, you know, what would put it over the top? Can you bring a Jalen Wilson back? Um, you know, the other assistant, also Howard Isley, a guy who um, has some, some coaching experience, has been an NBA guy as well. So you have a nice little mixture of you've got one of John Beeline's better assistants in Sadie Washington sticking around you've got a longtime head coach that can kind of show Howard the ropes now. And Howard's going to be his own guy. He will develop into his own guy, but to have that council, um, have him be a, uh, this one's for you, Luke hand of the King, so to speak. <laughs>
2: um,
3: and then have a guy who's coached, uh, been an assistant in the NBA on your staff. I, I think that's a nice mixture of, of everything quite to be, uh, you know, to be honest with you. So um, we still have the questions that we do about Howard, but you know, all we can really do is kind of grade things one step at a time. And and I think so far it's it's going pretty well.
4: Yeah, I I'd agree. I, I have no problems with the change to the staff. Um I, I guess it, one thing that worries me a little bit, and, and I maybe it shouldn't be a concern, but I just uh I worry that he's hiring somebody like Martelli. Um because he he needs someone almost to teach him how to be a head coach, if that makes sense, and maybe that's a bit harsh, but you know, I guess you can never surround yourself with too many too many good people. So I, I, it's hard for me to complain about that hire. Um, that's that's kind of really all I have to say. I, I like the staff so far. I do. It's
2: a good it's a good looking staff. Like, let's be honest. I, I'm hoping that it that it all works out, and I, I'm hoping Martelli gives Jawan just that, that little something, maybe a competitive edge, because like Anthony said, Jawan's probably gonna be able to recruit. You know, he can relate to kids. And we've seen it with Penny. Penny's doing a great job on the recruiting trail for Memphis. They got the number one recruiting class coming in or whatever. I think Jawan can have similar type of success out on the recruiting trail, but I think that Phil Martelli hire is going to go a long ways in winning basketball games and, and there is uh, some other Michigan news you know we don't know about Jalen Wilson we heard that Juwan Howard is out there trying to get seventh woods I I hate that man seventh woods he, he's proved to just not be really much of anything seventh Woods had at like the, the best level
3: eighth grade mixtape of all time uh,
2: I mean hoops hoops mixtape hoops mixtape is like the Like the NFL films and like the NFL yearbook for high school basketball players. Like Hoops Mixtape had me following guys that went like to mid-majors. I thought they were going to be the number one recruits in the country. Like I remember watching the NFL yearbook on that 0-16 Lions year. NFL films had you thinking that the Lions were a couple breaks away from making the playoffs that year. (laughs) Like that's that's how good they are. That's what Hoops Mixtape does. You should
3: get Hoops Mixtape to like film us playing pickup basketball. And then send like the video into Juwan Howard. I was just going to say Juwan Howard
2: would be recruiting us. You know, who's who's mixtape could do that. But I do like, uh, we've got something up on maze and brew. Trevor Woods posted this, that they're pursuing New Mexico grad transfer, Anthony Mathis and Michigan's going to need some shooting. And he was able to do that. 41.6% from deep was Mathis able to shoot for New Mexico. Uh, this past year. So I, I think that would add some guard depth and some shooting that Michigan is going to need um, pretty badly out there. And this in reading these though, like with Juwan going after seventh woods and in the, in the market for Anthony Mathis is like, what type of style, you know, is Juwan Howard going to play because yeah. John Beilein brought with him an offensive system. Like what is that with Juwan Howard? I'm really curious about that.
3: Yeah. It almost makes me wonder if we should start watching I mean, you can't even really watch Miami Heat stuff because he was just an assistant. That's Spolstra.
2: Cap. That's Spolstra.
3: I, I think that what you're going to see is a. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how much of it will really change, honestly, because I, I think you're going to see a maybe a perimeter based offense, um, you know, with with big, you know, with with some good bigs in it as well. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to throw it all the way back to the early '90s, and you know, I, I think that. His pitch on the recruiting trail, or at least what I think it would be, is you know, hey, I I've been in the NBA, uh, I got to the NBA from Michigan, I know what it takes to get there, um, and I'm going to set you up for not only success here, but set you up to be successful when when you get to the league as well. So, um, I guess. I, I, I don't expect them to, you know, we talk about, oh, okay, be that, you know, what does the modern NBA look like? I don't expect them to be like the Houston Rockets and playing, you know, ISO ball and throwing up 53s a game. But I, I think that there will be some, you know, I think it will resem- much more resemble what pro basketball looks like as opposed to, you know, maybe what John Beline was doing um, and things like that. So it's hard to tell. I don't think – I think really you, all you can really do until you know what you're going to be is, and the best coaches at, at every level are able to do this as well. You just kind of, you bring in talented players and you adjust to based on what their strengths are. Um, you know, John Beeline had teams early on, had to throw up 33s a game because they're a bunch of skinny, lanky white dudes that couldn't do anything else. Like, you know, as we progressed and, as we saw Michigan progress, you, know, you saw them start playing better defense. You saw them, uh, the post-game got a little bit stronger. So I, I think that – I just think we're going to see them tweak and adjust based on who they have there, and that's the best way to do it. Um, it's hard to really tell. They don't know, so how are we supposed to know?
4: Yeah, no, I don't really have much else to say. I think, I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right,
2: I was just seeing if, if you had anything. So do you guys have anything else that you want to add on the Juwan Howard hiring, the staff hirings, anything like that?
3: Um, I don't know. I, I guess just – I guess I would just caution patience because I think that Michigan's going to and Ward Manual's is going to allow him to you know, give him all the time he needs. and At a certain point, I think – probably year 3 is when you can really start going all right where is this thing heading now <laughs> unless it's a total disaster if it's a total disaster in year 1 and heading into year 2 it's more of the same then you might have to pull the plug but i think that when you look at college basketball it's a lot i think you can build a program quicker in college basketball than you can in you know obviously college football you need a couple of recruiting classes to really get your your guys in there so to speak but you know This program could easily be like they could be like a one and done away from, you know, making tournament runs again. Like that's
2: that's a good point. We don't know.
1: Uh,
2: It can change so
3: quick. Basketball can change so quickly with one player. You know what I mean?
2: Right. And the good news for Juwan Howard is the Michigan fan base is very well known for being rational and patient.
3: (laughs) Yes. If nothing, if nothing else, they are very patient. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's. It's hard for me to peg what expectations are. I mean the bar to me, if you're asking me what do, what should they be? What should those expectations be? John Beeline raised the bar at Michigan. And while you're not going to replicate what John Beeline did, um, you know, on a year to year, you know, when you look at overall body of work, like you still need to kind of, you know, get to the Sweet 16. Maybe find a way to get to the Elite Eight. You know, I, I think that just because John Beline is gone isn't I'm not going to go not going to be pouty. Like I think a portion of the fan base is there's a portion of the fan base that is usually decently outspoken that has kind of slunked into the shadows a little bit. Cause I think they're, they're feeling all doom and gloom and, that, and that's, that's fine. I mean, John B kind of dicked them over and it sucks that it ended the way it did, but you know, it's the bar has been raised here. Uh, I'm not going to be happy. Gil, you know, the happy Gilmore guy. Oh no, we suck again. Like, that's not that was, that was the water boy, water boy, yeah. Happy Gilmore, water boy. They're all the same, they all run together, Adam. yeah. Adam Sandler makes a fart, you know, fart joke, you know, does that stupid, like, Cajun. The
2: disrespect, the no, absolute you know disrespect.
3: Sandler was on a heater until, like, I think, Miss he from pretty much Billy Madison up until Mr. Deeds. That's kind of he was on a pretty good run, and then. He's been mailing in for like almost 20 years now. Yeah, no,
2: very much so, but do not disrespect that heater.
3: No, <laughs> I don't. It's one of the best comedy heaters of all time, quite frankly. Um, but I digress. Um, just because John Beline is gone, my expectations for what this program is and should be go um, unchanged to a certain extent. Because if you don't, if you fail to, you know, compete for Big Ten titles, maybe win one here and there, get into the NCAA tournament, play into that second weekend. Basically what it boils down to, if you're not playing into that second weekend of the tournament, I don't think you're doing a good enough job. And if he fails to do that, I don't care if he's a Michigan guy or not. Um, we're gonna have to do this again soon. So that's where I'm that's where I stand on it.
2: Yeah, it's I mean, but at this at the same time it's it's gonna be hard to like not change your expectations but still preach patience. You know what I'm saying?
3: Right. Well, I think the knowledge, it comes with the knowledge that I think most rational Michigan fans, Michigan people, know that next this upcoming season was going to be a struggle probably regardless because yeah. you lost, I mean, as for as much crap as we gave Jordan Poole, Ignis Brozdakis, Charles Matthews, you're losing, I feel like a broken record when I say this, you're losing the three guys that, could create offense for you. Um, you know, I know Jordan Poole was streaky, but when when he was hot, he was he was extremely hot. Um, the lows were very low, but um, I don't know who's going to score for this team. and I don't know if John Beeline, and if I don't know if those guys were going to, I give them the benefit of the doubt to find a guy, uh, which might be the biggest difference here. But I think knowing what they lost and knowing what they will lose after next year, I, I think that, this was kind of, if John Beline was going to go, it was the right time for a transition anyways, because he had another, a bit of a rebuild on his hands, whether he stayed anyways, So, um, I, I think that we can give this, I can confidently say, I think that we need to give this two years before we that's, really start making yeah. snap judgments. I think that's, that seems reasonable, which I know we're not always about that here, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, at, the, at the
2: same time, man, I think he's going to have a better team and more talent on the team this year than he will in year number two. Like, that's that's the thing that I'm getting at. If year one's bad, well, year two's probably going to be even worse.
3: Well, that's where, like I said, recruiting is going to be huge
2: in all. Because he, he missed a whole recruiting cycle now, you know. Right. John Beeline did him no services in that regard. If Jalen Wilson comes, then things. I, I think that's a temporary Band-Aid that he's he's able to recover from much more easily than if Jalen Wilson doesn't come because I think Jalen Wilson's the type of guy that can be a prominent player as a freshman.
3: Yeah. Well, and it's all going to depend on, does Brandon Johns take that next step? Does right. Conkast can yep. take right. that next step? Can, you know, Adrian Nunez, is that going to be a guy who who breaks out after really being a non-factor in his first year? Um It's just one of those things where I just think we're going to have to, I think, I don't think the outlook of the next two years of Michigan basketball would have been all that different, but I think the pressure will be a ton different because people are going to expect John Howard to improve and start building a program where people, if John Bion was around would have gone, well, you know, he just, you know, look at all the guys he's lost and, you know he's probably thinking about retiring soon and, and all that. Which I guess my final thought is that this is why I got so frustrated by how this past season ended and went, because I can confidently call it a missed opportunity now. Because yeah. everyone said that that was going to be a rebuilding year. Oh, it doesn't matter. It was a rebuilding year. Well, now you're in a now you're a straight up rebuilding program. So I just felt like a lot was left on the table there.
2: Well, uh, you know, basketball has dominated the news as of late. But the good news is, is we're we're right back into uh, football, pretty much here as we roll along. You know, the good news for Juwan Howard is he's just going to be able to go and uh, kind of just go to work behind the scenes because football is about ready to take center stage as we transition real quick. Here, we do have some news we want to touch on. Obviously, we're not going to uh, dive too much into football just yet. We got a whole summer to do that, but the news. Did just uh, release, when was it? Was it over the weekend? Was it yesterday? But uh, I can't remember. Chris Evans uh, will not be playing for the Wolverines in 2019 due to academic issues.
3: Yeah, that's a bummer, but I kind of expected that. Um,
2: right. This is this is something that, like, did anyone really form- expect him to come back this uh, well, year? Like, think- like, eventually, yes, but this year I, I felt like it was such a long shot.
3: Harbaugh had kind of left the door cracked open based on a question he got during spring football. Someone had just asked him, you know, is there a chance he comes back? And he said, yes, but, um, you know, it also could have been one of those things where like, is there a chance the earth gets hit by a meteor? Yeah, there's always a chance, but most of the time it zips past us. So, um, I, I, I kind of, we're in a weird place now where I think, excuse me, two or three years ago, I think this would have been a bigger story. Are a bigger concern because the offensive line, quite frankly, yeah. stunk. Uh, whereas now I feel pretty good about where they're at and they have, you know, a couple of guys who might be regarded as all American type guys, you know, this year on that line. So I'm sort of in a spot where I feel like whoever they plug in back there is, is going to be okay. And the other thing about it is I don't think they're going to, I, I honestly, I can't even believe I'm saying this. I don't think they're going to ru- lean on the run game as much because they'll do more of the short passing game. They're going to run Shea Patterson a little bit more. Um, you know, Christian Turner. I thought the little bit that we saw of him in the bowl game. I think that there's some promise there. I really think all of these running backs that they've recruited for the most part, um, outside of True Wilson who was a walk on, I, I you know are, are guys that are have been somewhat highly regarded. So I would expect them to find someone to come out of that. Um, Zach Charbonnet is another one where as a true freshman, if he's able to um, stay healthy, I think he'll be able to get on the field. Um, you know, the thing, the thing that sucks is that I actually think this is an offense that would have suited Chris Evans skill set much better. Uh, and I think they would have been able to use him correctly. Um, but you know what, man, you have to take care of your business in the classroom. Like this is, you know, it's not like a, you can't really control injuries and things like that, which those are, those are seen as, you know, the more devastating losses or so to speak, or the, the bigger, bigger bummers. But this is Chris Evans' fault. You know, he did not take care of business in the classroom. And um, I guess the bigger disappointment for me is that, not that he won't be on the field, that he's a guy who I think going into his senior year, let his team down. And that that's a bummer because I think he is a really talented player.
4: Yeah, no that that's that's a really good point. Uh, I think I don't know. I, I feel like lately I've been getting news that I feel like I've known for a while, and yet people are just now reacting to it. Like I'd accepted that Iggy Bradzakus was staying in the draft for like a month. Yeah, and that then was it was so announced. That,
3: pe- that was so weird. That people yeah, it were like, was, oh
1: my uh, god, what?
4: Right. It was announced, and people were on my timeline going, Oh, you must be so upset. I'm like, no, I knew this when he declared he wasn't coming back. He said, I plan on getting drafted as highly as I can. Of course he's leaving. And it was same with this. We talked about this like two months ago. And like, I I I think because at the time there was a rumor that he'd been like kicked out of the program, that wasn't true. But yeah, I didn't expect Chris Evans to be coming back. He's not coming back. I Don't think it's shattering or breaking any of the coaches' hearts. I think they knew this for a while, too. Um, People seem to be treating this. uh, A lot of people seem to think that this is some big deal. Uh, I know Michigan's going to have a void to fill at running back with Karan Higdon leaving, but um, I I don't know. Evans never really got that much better to me. I thought he kind of disappointed and got uh, beat out big time by Higdon last year, so this isn't – this isn't that crushing to me. I saw this coming. I expected it and you got to move on.
2: And at the end of the day, yeah, you want playmakers. Chris Evans is, is a really good player and he's good with the ball in his hands. But when it comes down to it, man, running back is probably the most interchangeable position on a football team. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, especially with the new offense, you know, you want the speed and space and yeah, Chris Evans would have been awesome. He's got a ton of speed when he gets into space, but This is gonna. It sounds like it's going to be an offense focused on Shea Patterson and the receivers, and that's what it should be because the receivers and Shea Patterson are incredibly talented and can really wreak some havoc on the Big Ten. So, yeah, it sucks. Chris Evans isn't going to be there, but Zach Charbonnet, if he lives up to the expectations, a lot of the guys, you know, like you mentioned, True Wilson, able to get in there as well. It's an interchangeable position. I don't think this is. As big of a blow as it might seem at first, and and Anthony, I thought you had a tweet out there the other day that put it perfectly. I'm more concerned about what the defense is going to look like than you know Chris Evans or who's going to play running back for Michigan.
3: Yeah, and I think this is kind of it's not weird to say now. Like we expected this. Jim Harbaugh is is still, regardless of the failure to live up to, you know, beating Ohio State, getting to Indy. This is a program now that is putting together, you know, top five, top 10 recruiting classes every year. Um, more often than not, I mean, this is year five. I think that I think three or uh, three or four out of these five years, we've seen them enter the season as like a top 10, top 15 team. Um, and, uh, they, they've they recruited so well. I kind of just count on them to figure it out and think they'll be okay. Cause I think there's enough there, uh, but the defense, yeah, that I, That's exactly how I feel about it is, you know, I, the defense, I I just, I don't know how, and there's always the stories about, Oh, well, after the Penn state game last year, blah, blah, blah. Don Brown lost sleep every night until they played again. And yeah, you're going to hear those stories again about Ohio state this year. Um, In fact, the matter with Don Brown's defense, and, and this is where I think people are talking about how Jim Harbaugh is on the hot seat, which is, ludicrous honestly like they won all of their games in the big 10 last year except for the one that mattered which sucks and it's lucy pulling away the football from charlie brown again but the sky is not falling on michigan football program like people seem to think it is now if we get another year into this and, and you know jim harbaugh is still basically john cooper in the 90s yeah we can start talking but i, I think the guy who has the biggest target on his back right now is don brown because we've seen in big games now where his teams have failed to get a stop and failed to get several stops and maybe get blown out like that night game at Penn state a few years ago, like the Ohio state game last year. So I am concerned about, I remain concerned about his ability to adjust in big games when teams can counter punch. It's one thing if Northwestern or Indiana hits you with crossing routes. Yeah, you can make a little, they're not talented enough to beat you. So you can make little adjustments and beat them still. But when you can, when a team comes out, throws a jab, you make an adjustment, they jab back. Can you adjust again? Those are things I'm concerned about. And I, th- I, I think
2: the- I feel like that was the first time that's happened to him since he's been at Michigan, though. You can point to Penn State, but Penn State was just more talented than whatever Michigan had out sure. on the field that night a couple of years ago. That Ohio State game was really the first time. That that's happened to Don Brown since he's been at Michigan. Well, we've seen the, the bowl
3: game against Florida State too. Um,
2: uh, yeah, that's that's fair, but it, but again, that was a, a team that that didn't have their best player on defense. You know, Jabril didn't play. It's not, well, uh, some
3: of the some of the fire or some of the fire that's been launched at him, and like I do think he is on the hot seat a bit this year. Um, a lot of like those- he had
2: two. Re- good performances against Ohio State prior to last year. Right.
3: I think more often than not, when he his teams have failed to get a stop in big moments, it's because the offense hasn't been able to score to help the defense out in a big exactly,
2: moment. Exactly, yep. So there's that
3: too. Um,
2: like, look, just go back to the Ohio State game last year, like Yes, Ohio State, everyone remembers Ohio State going out there and scoring immediately on that first drive, but they got a couple of stops after that. Michigan could not move the ball on offense whatsoever. Yeah,
3: it was tied at the half, or it was 28-21 at the half. They, it was That game was not out of reach until probably halfway in the third quarter. So, um, But the breakdown was still there, and I think that's, um, you know, to see what also what Florida did to them in the bowl game. Again, mind you, without Rashawn Gary, without Devin Bush,
2: um but man was that an uninspired performance it was, oh, was that, it was disgusting
3: i guess what i'm trying to say is that i am ready for the, them to put i'm i want to see him yeah. put it all together this year and, but i also think this is a unit that i think they will as he likes to say solve their problems with aggression i think they will be fast i think they'll be physical but i also think that it's going to be a group that's they'll still probably be a top 10 top 15 defense but I think that they will. I I see this unit being a little more prone to being a bit more leaky, but I think the, you you can easily offset that by the offense doing better too. So it's, it's one of those things where I think that the offense is still under the microscope. I, I think that they will be able to do a better job this year, but if they do a better job and then in a couple of those games, Don Brown's defense does let up a little, like you can't, You can't—I just don't think it's—you can't come out and get punched in the mouth like they did at Notre Dame, like they did at Ohio State. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't—I think this far into the game, you need to be a little more poised than that. So, that's all I'm trying to say.
2: I I still want to acknowledge that we had a lot of fun when this defense was dominating during that stretch against, like, Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan State. Sure. So— I, I want to give it's Don like Brown his due. Make sure out. make sure we're not going to... Yeah, right, exactly. Like, that was a ton of fun. And obviously, it ended with a, a kick right to the nuts, man. Yeah. Like, no question no question about it. But well, while gotta, it
3: lasted... You got to think about this, too. Like, Alabama's an elite defense, has probably NFL guys all over the field every year. Like,
2: even right. when they go up yeah. and play Clemson... How you, are they so, feeling you, coming you, off that national title game? Well,
4: yeah. But that's... that's I, I'm sorry. I haven't said much here. I, I feel I, I have a very different opinion than you. I'm not like I, I'm still like just hurt and drained from the way last year ended. Like I, I'm not getting over that anytime soon. So I I I understand. Look, they've had an elite defense. I'm sure they're going to have an elite defense. Really, wait. At what point last year did Michigan play an offense? Go up against an offense that they shouldn't have dominated. Ohio State, exactly, and and they and they what the and they went the bed, so like and look, Don Brown does a fine job. You know they're going to be an elite defense again. Well,
2: but wait, wait, wait. Penn State had a really good offense still last year too. McSorley was still out there playing until that's Michigan true. knocked them that, out of the that's, game.
4: That's the only other one. Like they they came out against Notre Dame and got punched in the mouth. They got punched in the mouth by what was this, Felipe Franks against Florida. Get it? I understand without two of their better players, but still. You know they—they they, Michigan was what down like ten or fourteen with like seven minutes left in that game, and Florida had a third and twenty and scored a fifty-yard touchdown. Like they, there's been multiple times in big moments. I remember it happened against Wisconsin two years ago. It happened against Ohio State two years ago when Dwayne Haskins came in and was the backup, where the, they've been unable to make plays where well, they've absolutely who, needed
2: it. Who hasn't it happened to? I mean, no, we no, watched no, it happen at no. Ohio State with Purdue. Like, who hasn't it happened to?
4: That's fair. No, that's fair. It's just, but the the, the teams we're talking about have won a lot. So, uh, yeah. I, and not and Michigan hasn't.
2: Uh, I mean, on on the contrary of that, Michigan has won ten games each of the. I understand they're not oh, winning at a level. Talk,
3: talk is back. Here we go, the arguments <laughs> yeah. are back. I'm
2: Gotta love it. I've missed it so much. Yeah, I think I like. I, I, do you guys ever get the sense that you don't like want to wish away summer because you like the weather, but you really just can't wait till football season gets here? Because I, I feel like I'm at that point in my life where I'm like not in school anymore and I'm working full
4: time. Um, yeah, no, I get, I get that.
3: Summer's a lot. Summer's a lot more fun when your baseball team is good. I wouldn't. That's I wouldn't. True. That's, that's true. Honestly, I, I love as much as I love football. I would not trade my summers that coincide with good baseball being played by the team I root for with any other season. Like I love football more than baseball, but to have that and it, you know, it stretches into football season to where you're double dipping into October. I wouldn't trade that for the world. That's where I stand on that.
4: That's fair. I feel, I feel the same way,
3: but anywho, um, what else do we have? Anything? Uh, Josh Gattis said that uh, sort of pumped the brakes on the wide receivers, mm. but at the same time, I'm, it's man, June. I, don't, I don't even
2: I don't even want to get into like the coach speak. No. Like it's too early for coach speak. Yeah. I bought into it last year because I'm an idiot, you know. And then uh, I'm done. I'm done with the coach speak. Oh. I don't trust anything any one of these coaches are saying. Well, that's and, not who well, I'm let's trusting. Be fair,
3: like the wide receiver group is probably Michigan's best position group. So yeah. Yes. Anything suggesting otherwise to me is, you know, coach speak. So, um, I'm excited though. I got how long?
2: How long until we get uh, Dylan McCaffrey should be starting over Shea Patterson takes? Oh God!
4: Uh, um, first loss. I mean. <laughs> if the first are we gonna inc- are we gonna see really before, the first before incomplete before pass this one?
2: season?
3: That's what yeah, I get. Like thing, yeah. I, I like I like Dylan McCaffrey, but me The thing of it is, like what. Has when has he ever like when has he shown that he's a better player than Shea Patterson is?
4: No, he has no, Because he ran a couple
3: get, uh, read options in garbage time, like big <laughs> deal. Right. People
4: like get him. good. People get good confused with better. Like he's come in and showed he's a good player, very capable backup. Uh But that he's going to be a good
2: when Shea goes away, I'd imagine. You know, like like that's the good news for Michigan. But he's not better than Shea Patterson.
3: No, if and if he isn't like if Dylan McCaffrey sees the field at some point this year and it's not garbage time, Shea is either injured or he's better than him. So right. it's a if he's better than Shea Patterson, he'll be on the field. Like if I think that's the only time I've I feel like more often than not, at every position, Jim Harbaugh has burned red shirt red shirts to have his best players on the field. The only time I really think they kind of failed to to really have someone ready was, I mean, Brandon Peters uh, a couple yeah. years ago. Like that was to me, the biggest mistake this coaching staff has made so far. Because I think I, I do without question to me, Br- Brandon Peters wins that Michigan state game. Like I I'll go to my grave saying that. And I know we're kind of, people are kind of kicking Brandon Peters on his way out the door. Um, to me, he was a victim of how good the quarterback room is now like that him transferring, is great for him because he's gonna go start somewhere and probably be pretty good, and great for Michigan because they're not really they're not gonna miss him at all. So it's like, I don't know, but we're kind of going. I'm
2: glad you limited. I'm glad you limited that to this coaching staff though, because like Chris still not is not over the uh, the end of last year. I'm still not over the Russell Bellamy Nebraska game. So
3: well, <laughs> that feels like so long ago.
4: It man. really does, doesn't it? <laughs> oh,
3: man. <laughs> I wonder. I sometimes sit here and wonder if Devin.
2: That's why. That's why I get so like worked up sometimes when I hear the talk about Harbaugh and how he's not living up to expectations. Like the the Hulk and Rich Rodders are still so fresh in my mind. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
3: Well, you know what it is too. Like what we've. I don't want to turn this into a Harbaugh thing, but I know people point to. Oh well, you paid him to come to Michigan and you know, win national titles, win the Big Ten. Yes win the big 101st that That'd be a great step and that he hasn't done it so far. They've had two chances to do it and they're zero for two. We have two strikes We're we're approaching judgment day, so to speak. But yeah. what you paid him was what you had to pay to get the best coach money can buy. And a guy that was, you know, qualified for the job. So I just feel like people who are screaming to the mountaintops for him to, to be fired or whatever, like, I just think you're real your your expectations are somewhat unrealistic. I think you should expect them to win the big ten, but if they keep going nine and three or ten and two, like he's not going anywhere. He's just not like I don't I'm
2: hoping I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that it, it he takes the next step. but at the end of the day, like, I mean, what when was the last time Michigan had the right to have those expectations even? No, it's like been Lloyd Carr won a championship years in 97, you know, they since
3: you won the Big 10. Like that's Right. You're getting to the point where you're going to you're starting to recruit kids for the program that weren't even born when you won the Big 10 last. So, Holy
2: shit. Oh, you just made me feel so fucking old. Why oh did you do God. that? I'm just like you couldn't have you couldn't have like saved that for another time, man. No.
3: No. no, I couldn't have it was on my mind and I said it, um, you know, it's just like, it's, I think that you need to earn those expectations back. And, and I think to this point, really the last two off seasons, um, since they, I'll say it, they bottomed out in 2017. I don't think that they will be that bad under Jim Harbaugh again. Like that's, yeah, let's see it happening. Um, I think, they've done everything right the last two years, except win that one game that they need to win the last weekend in November, which if they don't do it this year, I feel like we said that last few years, but no, if they don't, I I will be, I'll change my tune if they don't do it this year, but um, until they don't do it this year. And I, I, like I said, remember the pod last year, I said, I will not give them the benefit of the doubt to win another big game. And the nice thing about it is that we're going to have most probably a good seven or eight weeks before those big games come. So we'll know what Michigan state is. We'll know what Notre Dame is. Like if you win those games, there's a good chance those two teams could be like, you know, Michigan state. I don't expect to be very good. All they did was rearrange the deck chairs in the Titanic and Notre Dame. Like how do they replicate going to the playoff last year? Like all they can really do is come down from that. So, no, to me, it's all going to be – I will not – I refuse. I will not – I'm saying it right now, June 4th. When we get to that last weekend in November, I promise you, I will not be picking them to win that game.
4: Same here.
2: Good, because when we picked – the, I think there were two big games last year that we – all three of us agreed on. It was Notre Dame and Ohio State, and uh, yeah, those those did not go all that well. But it, damned if it feels good. To be talking some football again. We'll talk a little bit more next week, but uh, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Chris, where can we find you on social media?
4: uh You can find me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C A S T E L L A N I two o one four. We recently crossed the ten thousand follower fre- threshold, so thank you so much for that, guys. You can find me on uh, Snapchat as well. My uh, Snapchat handle is the same as my Twitter handle. Also, if you go on my Twitter, you'll find the link to my YouTube page as well. And I'm on Instagram if you want to see me there. That's ChrisCastle95. That's chriscastle 95 Please follow me on all those platforms. Anthony.
2: All right. You
3: can follow me on Twitter at AnthonyTBroom. Follow the site at Maze and Brew. Uh, find uh, Follow our show at Brewcast Show. Um, iTunes, which our RIP iTunes. Apparently Apple will be.
4: Yeah. What the hell? I, I just got that email. Yeah.
3: That uh breaks my heart. So we'll have to rebrand that, I guess. I, I would assume that just, I, I think they're compartmentalizing everything. Apple
2: podcasts. or so. I think it's at just Apple podcasts. Okay.
3: Well, iTunes is like iconic. It's an institution. It breaks my heart. I, this
2: <laughs> is the second time you've made me feel old, like ridiculously old in the last 10 minutes. Dude, and I would like you to stop.
3: Old. Like we're not old. Like we're really not. We're not that old. The grand scheme of things. But, um, Find us wherever podcasts are. So uh, we'll be back and and we're, I mean, we talk about maybe breaks coming up, maybe the week of the 4th of July, but I think, you know, I've been kind of sketching out a plan for us. I think we've got, I think we've got enough to ride this through the summer. So I'm excited. July is going to be here before we know it. Started getting emails this week about big 10 media days, which is in late July. So like we're, we're balls rolling folks.
2: And pretty soon, man, my favorite college football preview magazine, Phil Steele, is going to be out. I yes. think it's like June 25th. Let's go. It's like three weeks from today. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. And like Anthony said, make sure you follow the show page at Brewcast Show. And that is a fun one, uh, especially during football season. So make sure you shoot that a follow. So for Chris Castellani, for Anthony Broom, I'm Luke Giardi. We'll be back and we'll be with you all summer long. It's going to be a fun summer of BrewCast.